Adventure Presentation. Welcome back to the eighth best movie podcast in Canada. You didn't yes. mention that for the Groot it's, episode. I know, because it was short. I didn't have time. I didn't have time. I still did 18 minutes on I Am Groot. So go check that out. That's available right now. But welcome to Untitled Movie Reviews. Today, we are reviewing the first, yes, four episodes of Marvel Studios' She-Hulk. Uh, completely Objection. Free. Objection, uh, Your Honor. Uh, She-Hulk attorney at law. My bad. Um, we are reviewing the first four episodes. This is going to be completely spoiler free. The only things we will talk about are our general kind of overall thoughts on this show. Um, any details from plots or anything like that will only be stuff that we've seen in trailers. So if you've completely, if you're one of those people who have completely gone radio silent and don't watch any trailers, you probably aren't watching or listening to this anyway. Um, but we will talk about details that were in you know, the main trailers, and I know they've been releasing even more stuff uh, the last couple days about uh, She-Hulk and giving a little bit more away with her origin and, and different things like that. But uh, the series stars Tatiana Maslany, uh, Mark Ruffalo, uh, Ginger Gonzaga, uh, Jamila Jamil, uh, Josh Segura, John Bass, uh, Tim Roth, Benedict Wong. We know Charlie Cox is in the series um, as well as many, many more. Uh, Eric, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm going to plead the fifth, Matt. Not enough. <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> Just law terms the whole time. <laughs> um, um, yeah, how are, how are you actually, though? Um, I'm good. I'm good. I, it's, it's interesting going into something like this because a lot of the narrative behind it has kind of been shaped by the VFX. Yeah, which we'll get into. first trailer, specifically, a lot of people, and including ourselves, were somewhat critical of, you know, is is this kind of production being, you know, television versus film? Is it being rushed? Oh, Eric's um, gone. Eric's gone. Will you know, it's, back? it's one of those things. I know. Oh, he's back. He's oh, back. Yes. He's back. <laughs> so I was just literally rambling about how, you know, there, there's been a conversation about the VFX and specifically if it's being rushed, especially, you know, you know, television versus film. There's uh, a great article that I shared on my Twitter about uh, a lot of the Marvel specifically, but just the state of Hollywood and VFX studios, which I believe was on Gizmodo. Was that what it was? Anyways, go check out my Twitter. It's on there. But yeah, points. yeah. And, and, and so, you know, going into this there, if you have seen the trailer, if you've, if you've read any, you know, articles on it, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I think that that can kind of play a bias or an influence. And so watching this, you have to kind of take it at what it is, which is kind of a riff on law shows, um, mm -hmm. whether Ali McBeal or, or the original Perry Mason, yeah. which, you know, Tatiana Maslany was on the HBO revisionist version of that, right. or even Harvey Birdman, attorney at law, yeah. which kind of, there is one episode or there's a couple episodes that reminded me of Harvey Birdman. I mean, there's yeah, one, I know exactly what you're talking there's about. There's one yeah. bit that involves the Sopranos where it's like, yeah, like there's not that the, the, the actual episode structure is the same or, or the characters, but the idea of taking the MCU and putting it through the legal system is kind of the main objective here with it kind of being, sort of a fourth wall breaking meta tone that, you know, obviously for fans of that genre will think of 
Deadpool and then for people outside of the MCU will think of something like Fleabag where mm. you have the main character kind of talking to the audience directly and you know whether it be references to other continuity that's happened in the MCU already or just something that's kind of like can you believe that this is happening yeah um I think or even the- referencing people's thoughts on the MCU and on Twitter and things like that like there are fun moments like that. yeah I think the the <laughs> the biggest difference between this not being as obnoxious as the Deadpool movies is that Mislani is not you know a caricature compared yeah. to she's awesome ryan reynolds who kind of just like literally is one note yeah. um where i think mislani can play into the humor well but also kind of still personify both the human and hulk forms of of jennifer uh walters and and mm-hmm. i think that she really is the reason to watch this show in the same way that Simu Liu in Shang Chi and Eamon Villani in, in are Marvel, yeah. yeah like it's it really really great casting just the Canadians yeah yeah from Cam- the- <laughs> MCU CanCon is just what we should call this from now on because they they like it's it's our time to shine and seeing you know these amazing actors get an, I mean obviously Mislani like she already had orphan black right. and she was in David Gordon Green's stronger and Karen Kusama's destroyer and, and has a profile in the U S and obviously even before that in Canada with movies like picture day and, and, and blood pressure. But it was just always like, you were always hearing about her in casting calls kind of yeah, always being, being like the second or third. Yeah. And you're, it's like, she is so good in this. And like, as you know, the, the, the she Hulk, but also as just Jennifer, like you're watching her and she's giving this incredibly fun and charismatic performance, but also there's more nuance in there than even the scripts and the direction gives that kind of make the character more just integral to the stories but also just personable like she is just a very yeah. relatable person yeah. in your 30s that it's just like okay like i this, totally this agree works. yeah i absolutely agree i really 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 liked these first four episodes i just felt like it was completely enjoyable each episode it is more episodic it doesn't necessarily have like a uh you know a narrative through line i think they're planting the seeds for that i know it's supposed to be isn't it like uh nine episodes or ten maybe um so i think, I think it's nine time. Yeah. nine yeah nine episodes because they're half hour 40 minutes um but i'm just like yeah i think tatiana Maslany is like again first and foremost she's just so charismatic and so enjoyable to watch that i feel like um, that's what really carries this series, even if it being like, oh, an episode, maybe the law plot of that episode you're not super into or um, something like that. But I just feel like any time which she's on screen for the majority of the runtime that I just was like, man, she is so natural or organic where I just believe her as Jennifer Walters and just as just enjoyable to watch both as She-Hulk and as Jen that like um, I just thought just super super enjoyable to the point where it distracts you from the janky cg <laughs> because which like, there is a is, lot of that it's yeah, questionable it's, 
it, it does have that uncanny valley kind of thing, which is, you know, it doesn't solve it in this show. I think it's probably when you watch this in 4K and Dolby Vision and, and stuff like that, it might look a little bit better than on the screeners we watched. But it still has that, you know, it's weird because Mark Ruffalo and the Hulk is is a big part of this series as well. And uh, watching it, I'm like, oh, they've had, you know, 10 years to develop his what his character looks like, the character model that they probably borrowed it from the movies that they spent, you know, way more money on than this show. So the Hulk always to me looks really good. Like, and then when you have Jen beside him in a lot of those scenes, there's something that like, because she's just supposed to be this six foot seven kind of like hulking woman and not like this giant creature, like the Hulk is that, there's this uncanny valley thing because you still look at her as, you know, just a I this sounds weird, but like a large woman. So when her mouth isn't necessarily matching because you can tell it's that digital the mouth, it's always the mouth, Eric. It's well, always the mouth, the mouth and the eyes are the, the two eyes, things yeah. that have always been problems with the evolution of and human like characters. Yeah. Like I feel like when it's a monster, if it's Thanos, because he looks otherworldly, right? The Hulk like Grimace. looks other otherworldly where I'm like, I, I suspension of disbelief makes me go. I'm not nitpicking how this looks because, but when you anthropomorphize yes. the characters and make them look more like the actors, it becomes more of that uncanny Valley thing. Yes. But I think also on top of that, there are some shots in this show the first four episodes where the composites are almost of the of the characters the cgi characters the hulks are almost kind of bleeding into the backgrounds especially if it's a more darkly lit scene like yeah. there's kind of shots where you'll see you know the characters standing in front of um you know whether it be a darkly lit kind of room or, or something that kind of is a darker backdrop and it almost looks like the cgi is kind of blending in to those backdrops and yeah. and it kind of is distracting on 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 that kind of way but yeah. but again like it's also an early it's still in an early phase of this character's design so yeah. you know you look at the evolution of the hulk oh, even yeah. from the the banna era where yeah. you know it's like the banna hulk kind of looks like eric banna and then the yeah. edward norton version didn't doesn't like him at all and they tried to make him kind of almost weirdly look handsome in a way. Like it was weird. <laughs> and sexy then, Hulk. Sexy Hulk. And then with this, like you can tell with like Ruffalo, they've kind of perfected it because they've had, you know, multiple films yeah. to kind of play and around again, with it. Budget on those films. And then they can kind of, I don't know exactly how this shit works, but I'm assuming they lend the character model to the new VFX studio, whoever's animating it. So they've already worked on that character model so much, right? To your yeah. point. And I don't want to get too hung up on this because I really feel like it didn't distract me enough to be like, oh man, I can't watch this because of the CG. Because I do feel like when um, Jen is She-Hulk. I still find her very compelling and and fun to watch. Whether it's an action sequence, whether she's just in the law office, whether she's in a courtroom or anything like that. Like when she's She-Hulk, and and I like her ability of like one not wanting this, like not wanting to be a superhero, and then on top of it, being not able wanting to this. Yeah, and and being we'll get to Wong, but then we'll and then being able to kind of control when she hulks out right away, like she has full control of her powers. So I liked that kind of. Well, it looks know, at gender with that yeah. as well, and I think that yeah. that's actually 
very smartly kind of attuned to the gender politics of, you know, a man versus a woman having those experiences. And like, you know, uh, Bruce Banner talks about how he's had to kind of over the years find that common ground with the Hulk version of himself and how anger in men is yep. something that is, is that short fuse. And it, it, it's something where it's like, you know, not in every case, but in, in, in kind of a, a general kind of like TV show narrative, sure. it's making a point that, you know, men are quick to respond in anger and in action where women put up with bullshit so much bullshit that they've had to control their anger and stuff like that. yeah and it's and it's a smart shorthand for not having to kind of like tell the same origin story again with you know the hulk kind of mechanisms and sort of the explanation of like this is you becoming a hulk and this is what you have to go don't get angry like yeah yeah, it's like okay i got it like this is something it's 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 you know, I don't have to worry about it because as much because we're different people, just because we're cousins doesn't necessarily mean that we're going down the same, you know, path. And I think that that's interesting, but it's always been fascinating with the Hulk just to kind of like gauge that the incredible Hulk is still mm-hmm. continuity within yeah. the MCU and how there's like, a fun joke in this series. There is, that. there is, there is a good joke there, but it's also still just weird because like, I wonder if there will be a point where there is some sort of there, there's something more than just like a one-off joke because it's it's just strange that we've had you know like the late well, William Hurt yeah. as 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 you know the as Ross as General Ross and then you know there have been episodes of What If even though they're maybe not canon feature Betty Ross which and Mark Ruffalo right yeah. yeah and Mark Ruffalo and then Tim Roth as well right where like it's just, it's 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 a fascinating juxtaposition yeah. of going from the Edward Norton Louis Leterrier Hulk movie that a lot of people for the most part kind of begrudgingly accept as you know canon MCU, within the yeah. MCU but well it is right but like yeah. how I interpret that now with the multiverse stuff is that I interpret that 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 is a variant version, but the exact same story played out with our Mark Ruffalo version as well. It's just we happen to see the Ed Norton version as, you know, breaking the fourth wall, us as an audience. So, like, I basically take that because it's an infinite multiverse, right? So, like, my headcanon that I'm making up, which I just take as that was the exact same story that that played out in our mcu 616 except zanzibar is featured in both yeah (laughs) classic zanzibar i've been there too many times not too many but like more than once is too many um and then uh i just take that as it played out exactly the same it's just that was a different version of bruce banner that looks different and you know, we saw that version just in our head. Think of that. There was also a version that was just Mark Ruffalo the whole time <laughs> where I, I don't know whether we'll ever get flashbacks or something like that, where they redo some scenes and bring Liv Tyler back or something like that for just a one off or something like that to kind of finally say like that was canon, even though they have pretty much confirmed that. But I think there is some funny stuff in here that kind of pokes fun at that. And um, uh, I think that's just it. The the show is very playful. Like it is, I, I think women will really love this show. I watched uh, like, I think my wife will really love it. I, 
Um, I think, you know, we're getting to that point where it's not necessarily like you don't look at it as like this one, like the WB thing of like this skews male and this skews female. Like it is for everyone. But like, I really do think that, you know, this is Marvel trying to do some other things, go to different audiences, do something that's focused on something else. And I just like the fun vibe of this series of like, I love Jen's best uh, friend, Nikki and their relationship. Paralegal. Uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Her paralegal. Um, You know, you get the uh, Jamila Jamil coming in as Titania in the first episode, which is just like a very short kind of quick thing. But um, the Tim Roth stuff, like him coming back, um, I wasn't sure how that was going to work. And obviously that plays into the Benedict Wong uh, with Wong coming back uh, as well. With Shang-Chi specifically. Yeah, Shang-Chi because we know that Abomination fought in that that little tournament thing and uh, the underground fight ring. But um, So I think that's kind of all interesting. And I think that's why this series is so interesting to me is because it is episodic. It doesn't feel like it necessarily has like a season plot, although I think we'll get there. Um, they're kind of planting the seeds with different things, but I'm, I'm amazed that they're involving more like different people from the MCU. Like there's more Wong than I expected, uh, in these four, first four episodes. Like I can't go Wong with that. Like, uh, the abomination stuff I think is interesting where, where they were going with that. And, um, yeah, I'm just, uh, and we know Charlie Cox is going to show up at some point. So like, you know, people were asking for all this stuff, like in some of the Marvel TV shows, always expecting like all these different cameos and all these different people. And the thing I want to say on that, like the show delivers on all of that, but it's still very much about Jennifer Walters and She-Hulk. Like I felt like even with those other characters, like it is that Harvey Birdman thing or or uh, that kind of stuff where they are complementing that character and that character is very much involved with everything that's going on with these other characters. And I think it'll go to some places that you weren't expecting and i'm it it has an overall very playful fun vibe to it and tone to it which i'm curious to see what every like i know there's those two sides of marvel fans right now that some people think the mcu has gotten a little bit too goofy and they've made the hulk kind of a joke and they've made all these characters kind of more of a joke and i don't know if that's going to appease them with how they treat wong and abomination like in this movie or in this show but um i enjoyed it thoroughly and i it does have that same why i love harvey birdman and why i like sitting there with you is like you never know who's going to show up that week of what court case is going to happen but then there's going to be some other hijinks or, or fun stuff going on besides the courtroom drama element or courtroom comedy element of it yeah i don't think it's as funny as harvey birdman no, i, I think agree, that this is but... very hit and miss with its humor and i think that's another thing that marvel does try a little too hard with although i do agree that i like the tone that it is very light and kind of um just enjoyable and it's not necessarily kind of dark and brooding or like it's not necessarily like okay well this looming threat is really kind of like the whole sort of antithesis of this there was one episode where i thought they were getting into that and i'm glad that it was just kind of a one-off thing (laughs) Yeah. And with that, like, it kind of feels like this is just like a fun TV show that you can kind of still be, you know, it can still be appointment viewing and it's still going to be a show that people will tune into each and every week. But it's not necessarily something where it's like the, the MCU has gotten so dense that I feel like it's nice to get something that's just kind of enjoyable again like this not like taking itself too seriously but it does have something to say uh with 
the with the gender politics is as already mentioned and and you know i think that um the head writer and creator jessica gao is really yeah. kind of you know taking into consideration that it can be fun it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom dr doom and gloom um it can be just pure entertainment and it can be something where it's like okay this is why you you know watch a show like this is you you kind of enjoy the character dynamics as goofy as they might be and again you know the humor doesn't always work but you have a lead who is likable enough um and personable enough and someone you want to root for you know and and succeeding in you know their day-to-day life that it's like okay like that makes it all work and you are kind of excited by the possibilities of who could this character interact with next week and what kind of ridiculous, you know, uh, plot line could be introduced on a, on a weekly basis. And I think being episodic isn't necessarily a bad thing because a lot of the shows that we have gotten so far have been bridges to other movies or have been, you know, integral to the MCU overall where, you know, this show, like I'm sure, you know, uh, I think there Walters. are there is some stuff there that is there is no 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 but, no yeah. no but but I think like it's not necessarily thinking about like okay well we have to have like every piece of the yeah. puzzle kind of you know move the this the, is going to set up this movie the or this, exactly yeah, yeah. like it's actually kind of having fun within the moment and that kind of I think is the strongest aspect of this show next to Tatiana Maslany's wonderful performance. And again, just like she kind of centers this whole thing. Um, It's also kind of fun to see someone like uh, Billy Walsh, AKA uh, Reese uh, Corio, uh, Billy Walsh from uh, Entourage, the director of Queens Boulevard. Yeah. yeah. um, Funnily enough, I didn't realize that the director of this uh, uh, cat Corio, um, is uh, uh, Reese's wife. But then on top of that, Kat Corio directed Marry Me, which is that Owen Wilson, Jennifer Lopez film, which was so corny. My mom and Nevis watched on the flight home uh, on uh, from Croatia. So I thought that was funny. This is much better. And I, and I think uh, I, I just like the idea of, of, of one director directing all the episodes. Like there's just a consistency. Well, she split this with, Oh, uh, she did. Yeah, the next four are going to be directed by Anu Valia. Okay. Um, but then she came, comes back and directs the last two. So it's only two directors, and they split four, four, and two. So um, Because we've been w- seeing that a lot with the MCU shows where uh, a director kind of will set things up, and then you'll bring in other filmmakers. I kind of yeah. wish that they would have like one – I agree. Person direct all the episodes. It just kind of feels like there is more of a chance for in a show like a this vision. where it is a little bit more episodic. I don't mind it as much, even though I right. like that Cat Coro um, directed all four that we watched. But um, I, I don't mind maybe two different directors splitting half and half. Like that seems okay to me because a director pair can work pretty well together. But it's when you bring in five or six different directors, I feel like. All my favorite TV shows have one singular vision and and person behind them, right? And you might say that that's Kevin Feige in in the MCU anyway, but um, I feel like they do so much now that he can only be like, you know, sure, he's the guy calling the shots, but like, I'm sure he's spread a little thin. Um, But I like, I I thought Kat Koro did a great job. Again, the vibe is really, really funny. I do think it has some pretty interesting implications in the mcu and teases for stuff like um 
I was surprised that we got that from from this show. Um, I really was surprised at how they used Wong and how much he's in the show. Um, and I'm just kind of curious, like you said, to see who shows up each week. But it is very much I'm like more interested of just Jen, you know, in being the real a lawyer world. and like, yeah, and her life and as She-Hulk and balancing that and not necessarily wanting to be She-Hulk and hates that name, too. But like, um, but her doing it because she needs a job and, you know, it's, uh, you know, and then she has to become a superhero for certain reasons because she just feels obligated to help people in certain moments like i think that's kind of interesting um and then there was something else i wanted to bring up it's oh, her, i mean it's her career as well we should like that like, yeah. like it's something that she does have a passion for and like that's interesting that's what she as wants well. to do yeah you know and I, I i agree and i like you know there's a moment you know i it's not spoiling but like how they even deal with her you know you know trying to find a job and all the politics there and kind of that bullshit it's is similar like to, to to falcon and the winter soldier yeah. where where sam is trying to get a bank loan where like yeah. it, it, you are now seeing these post avenger movies where the heroes are not getting probably what you would expect from you know it, it almost again i don't want to compare it to the two because yeah. it's a very different situation but like the idea of like the Vietnam vet coming back from, you know, the war and kind of basically being forgotten and neglected by, um, you know, the rest of America to the point where, you know, you kind of go to drugs and alcohol and, 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 and don't really have the support system that you need to kind of, you know, maintain a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so like with She-Hulk and, and, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you're you're seeing kind of the the bureaucracy of life kind of be the ultimate villain um, for these heroes <laughs> for the hero characters who you know are willing to risk it all and put their life on the line to protect complete strangers and do the right thing but when it comes to you know their personal success and their personal sort of um moments of of need they always kind of get pushback and they really you know could become godlike figures in the way that like something like the boys kind of yeah. portrays, but they never do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, really well put. Um, the other thing, there's a cameo in this that is, uh, I think a cameo no one will be expecting from this show because I definitely wasn't. And I don't want to get your hopes up because it's not like, it's just, I'm going to say that because it's like, I think it's that kind of show where it's just like, very silly and i think this plot line that i'm talking about which you guys will see in like episode three i think um uh i was like back and forth on because i think it to your point eric where the comedy doesn't always land but it did have that harvey birdman vibe to it where right. it's just like okay i'm kind of this is silly and i'm not sure why it's included in this episode but then they do obviously bring the plots together and you know, for one little rev, uh, re revelation. Yeah. Revelation. Um, so I thought that was interesting, but there's a cameo where I'm like, okay, didn't expect to see that person in this show, but okay. Um, and you well, know, there's their ref. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But there's yeah. also more references to things that are in the real, the real in, world. In the real yeah. world. The Sopranos thing he's watching yeah. on HBO max, which yeah. I think is really funny. Or like, even right like after. inside out. Right. Like, the, yeah. you know, like there's, there's weird kind of references to things that are real or even, I mean, obviously 
uh, Pixar is under the the same umbrella with Disney, yeah. but but the you know the Sopranos thing, like it's just it's it's strange now that we're getting these references kind of integrated into a kind of real world setting, but then there's still scenes where you know they're talking about the history books in Captain America and stuff like that, and it's it's it is kind of strange, like what is you know, canon and what's not. I mean, we talked about Riz Ahmed and, and Ms. Marvel and sort of, you know, like, so there's a, there is a Riz Ahmed in the MCU that's just Riz Ahmed. And like, like that, that is weird as well because of yeah. him being in Venom. And like, so it makes you wonder like what the layers are there with, you know, the, the meta quality. And I think that it can play into that even more. Like I wouldn't be surprised you know, when we do get Daredevil, that there probably will be some reference to the Ben Affleck movie um, in some capacity. There has to be, yeah. um, you know, like it just kind of feels like that would be the perfect place for that. And and even though I think that like I, I, I hate saying this, it does kind of feel like this is almost like a testing ground for Deadpool three mm-hmm. to kind of be like, OK, like is this fourth wall thing with the meta comedy work, even though, I mean, the She-Hulk comics are fourth wall breaking. So it's not like it's doing it just because it's like, you know, taking the idea of something like Fleabag, which is also a much better series than, than this, you know, Harvey Birdman and Fleabag are like the top tier versions of what this wants to be. This is still very much a young show. Um, but it is also much better than say like visual effects wise than, you know, like you mentioned Ally McBeal at the beginning, you know, there, there's no horrible dancing CGI baby in, in an episode, but there is <laughs> not Mark yet, Lynn, Eric, not but yet, but there is Mark Lynn Baker um, who plays uh, uh, Jennifer's dad uh, yeah. in this, who probably a lot of people, you know, grew up watching perfect strangers uh, in syndication or when it was on. And then also he was on the leftovers as Mark Lynn Baker, which was funny as well. That so. was very funny. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, cause now that they're referencing real world things, I'm like, when does the blip happen? Because I guess inside out was in 2015. So that would have been pre blip. So during the blip did all those Pixar movies not come out that came. <laughs> during and there, the blip? there is anyway. a Canadian reference as well. So Eamon Villani mentions, you know, being a Canadian in one episode of Ms. Marvel. And then there's a reference to Winnipeg, uh, which I think that's where Ms. Lonnie is originally from, because I think she now lives in Toronto or LA. She's from Regina. Okay. Saskatchewan. But everyone go watch the experience Regina video on YouTube. Some good (laughs) shit. Some good shit. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the hell out of this. I'm very excited to watch episodes five through nine again. Um, curious to see where it goes if it's going to stick with this kind of episodic um, kind of format I do think episode four was the weakest for me out of the four um, but that being said I'm I, I can see them planting the seeds to what the overall whether villain or thread is going to be throughout the show um, or who the main antagonist is going to be. Uh, I, like, I, I don't know if they're going to have like a season plot or if it's just going to be kind of her dealing with cases each week and then kind of having other stuff go on in, in the background. There's got to be a season arc that we just, you know, after four episodes, I worry about that because some people about Mandalorian said the same thing, right? Where it was just kind of like that, not monster of the week format, but that little bit more of an episodic format that people, if you don't have that through line, like some people don't love that, but I'm with you where this does feel like the most TV because they are kind of trying to 
I guess, I guess WandaVision as well, but like they are taking inspiration from those law shows and kind of make that the MCU version of that, which I think is kind of fun. And, and I think that's like, I think mind talk, the mind builder. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I can't wait to see that. I know we know Frogman is appearing in the series and, and stuff like that. Like there's going to be really silly kind of heroes that are going to pop up and like Modoc um, in season two or three of this show would be amazing. Yeah. Or like yeah, the like, most ridiculous characters coming with like, yeah. uh, you know, a case or something like that. Like I, yeah. I think even like with WandaVision, like you could have all of Westview yeah. you know, filing Suing, some sort of, yeah. you know, suit against Wanda, white, like, white vision because Wanda is yeah. gone or something like, I don't know. Like it's, I I'm very curious to see where it goes and I, I I'm having a blast with it. I, I put this more in the category of Ms. Marvel and WandaVision and Loki, like on that upper tier of shows. I know we've only seen not even half of them, but like I have the same vibes from this that I did from those first couple episodes of Ms. Marvel where I'm like smile across my face, thoroughly enjoying them. Not like moon, moon night that felt like a little bit of a chore to get through. Um, by the end of it and even Falcon and winter soldier, which I thought started strong, but then kind of, you could see some of the issues with the reshoots and stuff as that show went on and it kind of fell apart near the end where, uh, I really am enjoying this. And I think it's in that, Oh, okay. I like when Marvel does something a little bit different. It's still very comic booky. It's still very MCU, but like, I like this episodic law format. I think Tatiana Maslany is incredible and just very, charismatic and the reason to kind of watch this show and um i think she is excellent and to eric's point like canadians are kind of taking over this new mcu which i think is kind of fun so i'm oh, really man, you know it. it'd be a really good episode of of the show it will never happen in a million years but kevin feige um sue sony for the rights back of uh, venom <laughs> and morbius they just really break the fourth wall yeah <laughs> like fully and um, jared leto comes on on the episode it's like no i i still want to play morbius yeah i i'd love if they if multiverse stuff you could get really silly things of bringing in like other characters and i wanted to go full harvey birdman but like um oh man it's too that that is too niche and too deadpan and just too weird i think for for a mainstream audience to really kind of like contend with where like you watch that on you know when it was originally on you know cartoon network adult swim like it kind of played with you know, the Hanna-Barbera and, and classic cartoons and kind of subverted your expectations of like what would happen if they were in kind of a more adult legal system and kind of being fetted through the system. Yeah. Uh, you know, rewatching uh, an episode of Fred Flintstone becoming Tony Soprano, um, that episode <laughs> yeah. was incredible. But then there's also like an episode that I rewatched again because of the Jetsons, like, or George B. George Jetson being born recently, where the Jetsons come back uh, to the past to sue us because of what we've done with global warming. <laughs> but it's also, good. but it's also funny yeah. because like George is such this condescending asshole to Harvey Birdman. He's like, we're from the year 2002, you lower life form. And one of the best jokes and like, it's just a cut. It's literally Harvey sitting at his desk, listening to George, you know, give his spiel. And then Harvey Birdman looks at the, his calendar and it says the year is 2004 where this guy from the future 2002, yeah. <laughs> like just shit like that is funny. 
yeah, yeah that was really good and i hope yeah that meta humor is really really good right and you get a bit of that in the in this show and i hope they go even further with it so um there's some really clever stuff so we're not going to put a score on this one but i think we both think it's worth checking out yeah uh, it's definitely fun. yeah I, i'm curious on the week to week thing like we got to kind of binge four episodes which was nice but um I think each week it does enough to go, oh, yeah, damn, I do want to come back to see uh, next week. And I'm very excited in a month from now to be able to watch episode five. So um, that's the one kind of, you know, very lucky to you know get this stuff early. But now I'm like, all right, now I got to go a month without, which is kind of OK. We're at that point. You know, I think whenever we do these Marvel reviews, we always talk about like the state of the MCU a little bit and. You know, there was those comments from Damon Lindelof and Mark Ruffalo recently of like how much Marvel content we're getting or Marvel shows and movies. And um, I'm I kind always of agree the, with Damon Lindelof. Uh, so do I. I. I agree. And this is someone who loves the MCU. Like you guys, whoever listens, like you guys know how much I, I really get invested into this and really, really love it. And Eric's kind of more in the middle. But um, I'm on Lindelof's side, too. It's what I always said about Star Wars. It's. You know, you want to want the next thing, right? Like you want to anticipate the next thing. But when you have three to four, four movies now, I think mostly three to four movies per year, four to five shows per year, like it's just a constant flow. And I know each one is different or they're trying to be different in each one of these shows. And that's why I hope we get stuff that feels different each time. But when it is this shared universe, um, and stuff like that and you're getting characters from that you've seen in other things and you know recently with we've got so much wong the wong cu like which is good and wong like, is just at home like he's, looking at all the yeah money he's i'm like making. good for him dude like i'm all for it and i love that you know it brings everything together kind of thing but um i wouldn't i'd be okay if it was like you know we just maybe a little less <laughs> like just like well, it makes you, know. you it makes you want, like to your point, like it makes you want that next thing a little bit more because you're not being oversaturated or homogenizing, you know, the the marketplace with just that one type of movie where, you know, like I think that's why a lot of people have been really excited about films like RRR and Top Gun Maverick and Nope because they're still blockbuster movies but at the same time they're not necessarily connected to anything else yeah with the exception of top gun but like even that kind of felt like it's its own thing so it's just kind of nice to kind of have that break and i also get where you know the pandemic that year where we didn't really get anything kind of felt like okay we'll you know release the floodgates at this yeah. point but you know like i wouldn't be against like having maybe like two marvel movies a year and and maybe book in the year or like or have one in the summer and one in the winter or something like that or something like that and like i think two movies three series that's still a lot <laughs> like, it is. i mean I'd, I'd almost rather like two series two movies right you have like maybe a series to start the year uh a show in the summer a series in the fall and then a movie in the winter like that sounds kind of perfect to me <laughs> like you know that's still a lot um but you know and we're kind we have what yeah usually three to four movies depending if there's a spider-man movie and then four shows it seems like per year now too right so and that's not counting animated stuff that might come out or shorts and 
all this stuff, which yeah, it's a lot, but I, I obviously enjoy it still. And I'm I mean, saying that I, I'm still excited I, for Black Panther Wakanda. Forever, same. And so. like, and the rest of the next phase, right. And all of the shows, like I'm, I'm, I'm excited for them and I hope each one feels different enough. That's all you want. You don't want them to feel samey. That's, I guess the one worry, right. Even if it's sharing characters in a universe and things like that, but I'm obviously very excited and uh, we didn't talk much about Ruffalo, but I thought he was good in, in, in the, when he shows up, like I like him, you know, training um, his cousin and, and their interactions in, Get him, cuz in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Like I think uh, there's more of him than I expected as well. And um, I think that was like, again, with all of the different people who show up, there was always more than I expected, but it didn't take away from it being a She-Hulk show. So. Well, I feel if this was a show that was made in like the 80s or 90s, you would be lucky to maybe get a cameo either at the beginning of the series or at the end with the the character that kind of was the spin-off or or kind of the alchemist of the new series. Like I look at something like um Supergirl, which is a terrible movie and I don't mean to compare Supergirl and, and She-Hulk, but Supergirl like didn't even have Christopher Reeves in it. it. Like they said that, Oh, Superman was off planet saving somebody sure. else, but Jimmy Olsen uh, was available. So they had that character <laughs> yeah, in it yeah. to kind of like, you know, connect the continuity of it all. But yeah, like it's, it's just interesting where like we live in a world now where that is really important, where if you do have a spinoff series with another character, but people are more familiar with, you know, the, the, another version or somebody that's related, it's like, you have to have that character, you know, kind of help set things up. Yeah. And they do a good job with it here. I think their chemistry is actually really good. And I, I, I liked their back and forth. I thought it was very playful, very funny. Again, sets the tone off right away, like being, you know, serious, but then not very serious right away. And then uh, I just kind of liked them hanging out off the grid in, in Mexico and seeing where Mark Ruffalo has been hanging out and where his lab is and, and all that kind of stuff, like kind of filling in the gaps. Not is that where venom was. Um, he was in Mexico, I think, but it wasn't at the Hulk's house. I don't right. think, but like, cause he does mention Hulk close. in yeah. when venom is in the, MCU. so maybe the people in Mexico are more familiar that maybe they know Hulk is hanging out there and, um, I think there's some great, you know, uh, you know, it's it's filling in the gaps or not retconning, but like explaining certain things where people are like, you know, where was he when he was creating Smart Hulk? And like, how did, would he have this place? And like, well, what's abomination been, as well. What's he's right? been doing? Yeah, abomination as well. And like, I'll be interested to see how people think they treat that character, too. Like, I, I liked it. I thought Tim Roth was great. But oh, and uh, um, post credit scenes. Apparently there are post credit scenes uh for every episode there are and yeah. the ones that we watch all had them they vary from very funny to teasing something i think most of the time they're just like a goofy there's actually there's one that i just cackled that i thought was really really great um about captain america and um he, captain america's not in it or anything they're just talking about captain america and i thought that was um really really funny but each one uh i thought was a they're mostly just uh, mid credit scenes and they're mostly played for laughs, but definitely stick around for those. Um, yeah, just super enjoyable. Check it out. It comes out uh, this Thursday. They changed the release date for um, I think they're doing that. So it doesn't overlap with Andor, 
correct? Which is going to be September, right? Because that was yes. originally supposed to be the end of August. Yes, um, but they pushed it. And I think they saw when they had Obi-Wan and Miss Marvel coming out on the same day that that wasn't a great call. <laughs> right. So this is premiering August 18th, the first episode, and then it'll be weeklies on uh, Thursdays. Weeklies on Thursdays. Um and Thursdays feels like a law show day to me, though, too. Like, yeah. I almost wish they would premiere this at 8 p.m. Eastern or whatever. Like, like yeah, would I would say Tuesday's a law day. Oh, really? Thursday kind of feels like that day where it's like you're a little bit more relaxed, like because, you know, hmm. Friday's like right around the corner where I almost feel like Tuesday is like it's not Monday, but you're still you still have that week to go and you still got a lot of prep and you got to get that court case ready you know to do on Wednesday sure i just meant Thursday. like a network tv like what day they would premiere law sure. shows on so i always i'm maybe thinking you know i don't know weeknight at 8 p.m is always what i think of but maybe any weeknight would have been fine but we gotta look um, at like old studio programming and scheduling because like i know like there was always like that thing where like you never want to um you know have your show air on the weekend because nobody's gonna watch yeah, because fridays are- were no one ever wanted to do which i think is interesting that disney did premiere stuff at, on fridays originally remember yeah i think it was always um, like that that sweet spot was somewhere between monday to sundays were always hbo nights right so yeah. no one wanted to do that and then um monday to wednesday seemed to kind of be like that's that kind of like okay people are at home in the evening like let's like between like seven and ten are like that, that like that's the like after the news at six kind of yeah. thing when it was network television yeah ali mcbeal premiered september 8th 1997 which was a monday yeah so maybe mondays were more like the beginning of the week, like you were saying. So I don't know. Anyways, we're going, we're getting off track. Uh, go check out She-Hulk this Thursday uh, when it comes out, and then weekly after that, um, we'll probably talk about it um, on a weekly basis over on the Untitled Movie Podcast, which you guys can go check out a new episode right now where Eric and I talk about stuff. I don't know what. Probably some Dragon Ball. What bodies, 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 bodies. Uh, I'm reading Heat 2. Oh, Eric's a read boy, a reading boy. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm an read intellectual. Read the book, little smarty pants. <laughs> I know. Um, I, I don't read that often. One I day I'm going to grow that. up and become a lawyer and pass the I, bar. And We talk about a book once every three years on this show. Yeah. <laughs> Either I read one or Eric reads one. So we'll talk about a book um and other things so go check that out uh go check out our i am groot review much shorter than this much shorter series than this which you guys can go check out right now we're covering um, fan expo this year now or, we are next that. next not this upcoming weekend but the weekend after so I we'll cover that on Cobra an, Kai. <laughs> um they're not coming they canceled damn it um yeah which sucks um but we'll still them. review cobra kai um and stuff like that too but uh one stop shop for everything head over to untitled underscore movies on letterboxd and you'll find everything there um as always my name is matt roerbeck you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and soon on season four of family feud canada that's premiering in september uh but i'll let you guys know closer to that date uh follow me on all those social medias at matt roerbeck 
Yeah, and you wouldn't like me when I'm angry, but also uh, you can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene. Uh, the latest episode has Matt and I talking about Tiff and the Batgirl breakdown. So if you like watching or listening to this show, but want it to be a half an hour long with no swearing... That's where you want to be, baby. <laughs> uh, you can also find me on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. We find the defendant guilty. Gr- green. I should have made my lights green, but next oh, time. Oh, 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 green giant. <laughs>